1: Hello and welcome to the Buckets and T MBA show. I'm your host, Katherine Nyker. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. Today, my guest, you probably know him, you probably love him. It's Lewis Zatzman. How you doing, buddy?
0: Hey, I am doing wonderful. Thank you. It's uh, it's a pleasure. It's so good. I know we talked about doing this before, first time we've I've ever been on. So really, really happy to be here.
1: Yeah, and you know what I I just realized is that I think it's I, I think I'm rounding around my one year anniversary of joining Raptors Republic. So wow. that's Years exciting a for me. This, uh, a year is a long time, in this space. and I want to thank you because you're the one who initially brought me on. So it's nice to finally have you on the show.
0: We'll call it a one year anniversary uh, celebration.
1: Yes, exactly. <laughs> Um, I have to say today, I, you know, it's been an emotional roller coaster for me because we're recording this on Thursday, December the 8th, and uh, Brittany Griner's been released today. I woke up to, like, tears of joy. Oh, my God, I could even cry talking about it now. So if you don't know, I cover the WNBA as well uh, in a podcast called The Pickup and uh, hosted by Freddie Rivas, who also does Confederacy Dunks here on Raptors Republic. And we have been following this so closely, so intensely uh since it first happened last february and so now to see that she's been freed she's coming home oh my god and then before we started recording celine dion announces she's she's been diagnosed with like this very rare neurological disorder i can't handle this lewis
0: i know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> I don't know that you can't handle it. I know that it's uh, it's an enormous amount of news about the people we care about.
1: Oh, my um, God. It's a things lot. Things can't be
0: good, but don't let, don't let the bad take away from the good. You know, just, just celebrate Britney's release. Um, it has been a long nightmare for her and her family. And so it's just unbelievable. Unbelievable news.
1: Yeah, well said. I completely agree. I just had to start off by saying it. Uh, because i'm just thrilled and like truly like the the phoenix mercury are my favorite team and she's on that team and she's really one of my favorite players so there's like you know I, i i'm happy for her as a human being first but uh you know and then as a basketball fan second but Really happy as a basketball fan too. You know, I'm just really excited yeah. to see her back. Um, you know, hopefully she'll release a statement soon in the next coming days. In mean, the WNBA season doesn't start till May, so if she does want to come back, she will have time to uh, yeah. to figure all of that out. And we're just, you know, we're just anyway, we're just thrilled. Um, okay, NBA stuff. So you know, it's been an interesting week for for Trey Young and Nate McMillan of the Atlanta Hawks over there. Uh, last Friday, uh, they kind of got into a uh, they got into a bit of an argument uh, during practice. Uh, apparently, Nate McMillan wanted Trey Young to participate in a shootaround, but Trey Young wanted to focus on rehabilitating his shoulder, and then he said, "We'll see how I feel after that." and Nate McMillan didn't like that response. And, you know, it, it's there's conflicting reports about what he said after the fact because um, people, the, the Athletic initially reported that Nate McMillan said uh, either you do this shoot-around or you don't bother coming to the game, and then Nate McMillan has since denied that he told Trey Young not to show up to the game. But in any case, all this led to Trey Young not showing up to their game against the Denver Nuggets, they ended up winning that game somehow, which is wild. Um, and yeah, and so since then, they you know they're trying to do this whole "it was a private matter, it got leaked, blah blah blah" kind of thing. But it's been a, a pretty weird scenario, don't you think, Lewis?
0: Yeah. So I look, I buy the private matter. Um, you know, the private matter is thrown... That's a cloak that's thrown over a whole host of things in the NBA. Sometimes rightfully, sometimes wrongfully. So, you know, Draymond Green trying to knock out his teammate, maybe wrongfully. Trey Young and Nate McMillan arguing about whether he participates in shoot That feels like it's not really uh, that important. I don't understand. And, and had it not gotten leaked, he would have sat out a game with shoulder soreness and no one would have cared. It's just, that happens all the time in the NBA, not just slight disagreement, but much more uh, vociferous uh, arguments between coaches and players, players and players staffers. It, it's, I mean, it's a very, um, uh, uh, stressful and emotional place, professional sports. Um, even weirder though, uh, the Hawks in general, weird vibes this season. And this mm-hmm. is just one part of those vibes, eh?
1: Yep. Even though they're still doing well. I mean, I uh I forgot to check this morning. Are they still fourth in the East or something? I'm gonna Google that. Yeah, up so they're right now. they're
0: 13 and 12, which it would be the same as the Raptors.
1: Oh, they're fifth um, right now, currently, as of this yeah. recording, but it's all it's so close. I mean, it could move even as of tonight. But yeah, yeah, three
0: teams at 13 and 12, five, six, seven.
1: I mean, it's funny too, the thing you say about, you know, it being leaked and, you know, this is a private matter and stuff. I agree, like, to some extent. I mean, I think once he misses a game, suddenly it's not a private matter anymore. Um, but I also think um, we just live in a world now where, like, if it exists, it's going to get leaked. I'm not saying that's right, but that's just kind of the world we we live in now, right?
0: Especially with betting taking over
1: all mm-hmm. coverage, mm-hmm.
0: people are going to care so much more about whether Trey Young plays or not. It's uh, it is a there's a this isn't the Tinder that sparks the explosion, but something will, you know, with the betting and the, the private versus public and everything leaking and, and, uh-huh. and, you know, player empowerment leading to lots more. Rep. There's, there's a, a fire brewing in this. And, and this is just, you know, this is generally nothing. I'm sure within a week, everyone will forget about this. Um, but yeah, something's going to happen. That's going to be crazy and people are going to, people are going to feel strongly on all sorts of sides.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I I think, you, you know, just to put like a bit of a baby conspiracy hat on for just a second. Yes. Like, I think the next uh, CBA negotiation is going to be heated. I think it's going to be yeah. really, really heated. And I would not be surprised if it leads to a lockout because I, I feel like exactly as you're describing, all this is going to come to a head eventually. And I think that's where it's really going to happen.
0: Yeah. And and I think there's going to be a lot more than just uh, revenue share, which seems to be what the last few have have just been percentages. I think this upcoming one, there's going to be a a whole lot of, like, you know, even going back to the bubble, I know that players, um, grudges is the wrong word, but players definitely registered what the franchises um, valued in Uh terms of, um, you know, uh, in terms of social activity versus money-making. And they took note of that. And I think the players and the owners were on, on really different wavelengths in terms of what they wanted to accomplish. And you saw all sorts of quotes, like Fred Van Fleet, for example, saying, maybe, was it Fred? I forget some. I forget who. Someone said, maybe we shouldn't have come back uh, if, if this is just what it's going to be. And it was about, you know, what are we actually trying to accomplish? And I right. think things like that are just, you know, just... Um, Uh, important indicators that revenue share is not going to be the only thing under discussion in this upcoming CBA.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. And I think like, you know, even if Trey Young's being a a bit of a a brat, like it's hard to tell, but one (laughs) thing I will, I will definitely say in in his defense is I, I don't think Nate McMillan should have a say in his health status. And I don't think any coach should have a say in a player's health status. Like if he, yeah. Uh, wants to uh, work on rehab of his shoulder and then see how he feels later. It feels like a pretty reasonable thing to to want to do. You know, I mean, I yeah. think like Nate McMillan, maybe in his playing days, it wasn't quite like that. You know, like it was probably, you know, probably more toxic than that. And he probably <laughs> put up with a lot more pain than maybe this generation, but I don't think that's necessarily healthy. And, uh, you know, I think in terms of like when players play and when they don't and to what degree they have a a full say in that, when can they change their minds? I think all of that is going to come up in the next CBA, too. And a lot of that is more subjective and hard to actually like put into words or numbers or anything. So,
0: yeah, no, I'm with you. It's a weird like either you participate in shoot around or you don't play tonight. If, if that's what happened, that's so bizarre. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, even broadly, uh, you know, subjective versus objective medical awareness, we see all the time. You know, Kawhi Leonard, for example, in San Antonio, was clearly misdiagnosed, led to all yeah. sorts of tensions between him and the coaching staff, because they said, the doctors say you're fine, so you're playing. And that's just, that wasn't the case. In, in general, um, tr- you know, it seems like all, all the time we have these examples of players who... Uh, Maybe in the right, but they carry themselves in sort of a, a a sniveling way. And so it's hard for people to side with someone like Trey Young. Mm-hmm.
1: Um,
0: but I don't know if that's necessarily fair uh, about him. That's probably not fair at all about him. But, but regardless, uh, this podcast general... isn't
1: about what's fair, Lewis. Go in. Get...
0: <laughs> in general, players should be trusted more about their bodies because they know best.
1: Yeah, I mean, that that is true. And I, I remember a while ago, Jalen Rose was saying this on his uh, Jalen Jacoby pod. This is like years ago now, but he says it multiple times and it really stuck with me. He's like, sometimes you have to save a player from themselves. So sometimes yeah. the opposite is true. Like somebody really, really yeah. wants to play and maybe when they shouldn't play i think i mean maybe the Fred most infamous yeah Fred eventually most infamous example of that is kevin durant in the 2019 finals right yeah. like that's probably the most infamous example of that so yeah i think it kind of goes both ways but it, in either case a, a coach should not have a say in that i don't think
0: yeah it's the medical staff and the player really really
1: yeah i think they got a medical staff can
0: overrule coaching staffs as well You know, medical staff is going to say, this guy's not allowed to play. And that then the coach follows that rule.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's just a bizarre situation out of Atlanta. Somehow they're still fifth in the East. I mean, I think, you know, the East is slowly starting to break away, you know, especially with with Boston doing so well and the Milwaukee Bucks doing really well. You know, we are going to see, I think, in the next month, a greater separation between all these teams. It'll be interesting to see where Atlanta is in like a month from now. I think, you know, like does Trey Young and Nate McMillan actually work things out or not? You know, whether there's a coaching firing or not, I'm curious to see if they actually stay in the top six in the East right now. Because I have a feeling that, uh, you know, they also have a lot of injuries too right now. Like they had a blowout loss against the Knicks last night. There were a lot of players on their team not available for that game. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not convinced they'll stay in the top six, uh, a month from now.
0: I think the Hawks are good. I think cause their offense is like bizarrely bad. And I think <laughs> a lot of that is just Trey Young's missing threes. He makes, he's missing a lot of layups he makes. Um, but they are a lot better when he's on the court, like his, mm-hmm. his, his offensive on officer, same as they always are. Like they're just really good at offense when he's on the court really bad when he's not, if he starts making shots, I mean, the defense is a lot better. I don't know. I buy improvement for for all the East teams that picked up, that traded for stars like Cleveland,
1: uh, Mm -hmm. Atlanta.
0: Uh, I think, yeah. The East is a lot better as well. The
1: East is a lot better. That much I agree with. I think, you know, Trey kind of in some respects reminds me of a very young Kobe in that young Kobe would throw up a lot of ill-advised shots, (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, Kobe, like, young yeah. Kobe would take a lot of ill advised shots, but I think he had a lot of other people around him being like, You can't do that. And then eventually he learned yeah. to kind of rein it in. And I don't think Trey has that. You know, he doesn't. When ha- you say
0: young, young, you hit the G in young.
1: Really? You say it.
0: Yeah. I say young. You say young.
1: Oh. <laughs> How to react to that do i i like my version better it's that- it's good it, it has cachet
0: you care like it's oh you okay yourself well maybe
1: that's it. just the the performer in me you know yeah i'm just gonna yeah. i'm just i'm really gonna enunciate and go for it anyway in no way am i saying Trey young is kobe bryant don't you know, at me in the comments. I'm just saying a young Kobe would throw up a lot of ill advised shots and he had people that reeled him in. And I don't think Trey has that. I I kind of think that's a, a little bit of what's missing in his life right now. Phil Jackson? A Phil Jackson or I mean a Shaq or somebody yeah. somebody yeah. that's like you need to you need to make better decisions sometimes on the court.
0: Yeah, I mean that's one thing. Um, a lot of superstars. A lot of superstars lot, go through that, yeah. When they come into the league, are on a team with another star or former star. Or, you know, you saw that with with Luka Doncic um, got to be on the same team as Dirk. Uh, and, and Wade and Shaq. And it's pretty common that these guys have... Uh, People who've been where they want to get to. Mm-hmm. And Trey Young has never really been teammates with someone like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the closest was maybe Vince Carter, but Vince Carter didn't Vince win Carter. It at That's all. That's true. I forgot. Yeah. But that would be the closest thing that he had to that. And Vince he Carter's more like, I will teach you how to be a journeyman and how to be in this league for right. a really long time. <laughs> but not You want to play until to you're
0: fifty-two? I'll teach you to play until you're
1: fifty-two. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, I just think that that's the one thing that's really missing with him, but very curious to see uh, where that team goes in the you know in the next few months. Yeah. um okay, another funny NBA topic, well, I think it's funny. Uh, the NBA unveiled new trophies, new trophy designs, as well as a new trophy for best NBA record. um you know some of these trophies they they look like um, like a like a vase a vase vase? what do you say lewis do you go vase or you go vase
0: oh i I, i'm not uh committed to either i'll say either okay i'm a lunatic
1: (laughs) i'll go you know what we're just gonna uh, we're gonna we're gonna just rotate between the two throughout the segment just to like really throw people oh
0: man controversial
1: (laughs) controversial um to me i mean I don't know how much I I love these designs, to be honest. What What do you think?
0: Yeah, I've never really been one to look at this. This is the first time. Like right now, I'm looking at pictures of these awards. This already, in the 30 seconds we spent on the segment, is the most time I've spent looking at.
1: Yeah, well, this is awards. what this is what Bucketson tea is all about. You know what I mean?
0: We're going to
1: critique the design of these
0: awards. They're very see through. They look breakable. They look like you take them home and you celebrate and it breaks before you go to bed that
1: night. Right. Yeah, they do look fragile. I think like the um, the Red Arbach, um Coach of the Year Award, it used to be like Red back on a bench. And it was like yeah. this clay, I don't know, copper kind of thing. And I was like, that was cool. I actually really liked that and now it's like he's kind of sitting on a bench but it's like within the vase and i'm like yeah. this is weird i think for it's sure like, re- um, for sure red Arback back would have broken this trophy is what i'm saying
0: what's the um there's like a, a valuable jewel that has insects frozen
1: inside of it
0: amber is that is, am i thinking of amber from jurassic park no, well, yeah, yeah, but also from life. I think amber has like insects frozen inside, ossified, you know, petrified. That's what these awards look like. It looks like Red Hour. The spirit of Red Hourback is trapped inside of a glass cage of. Oh my
1: god, I love that. I love that. And we have to extract his DNA to create a sea of Red Hourbacks on an island.
0: That's on an island, an amusement park, if you will.
1: <laughs> that would be a pretty dull island, I think. Uh, yeah, you'd have, maybe... to, there'd
0: have to, that's the C plot. You need something more.
1: I, I assume he was a heavy drinker. I have no idea, but I just, Most. you know, I just I just think it would be a lot of bars, a lot of Irish pubs, maybe.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe it could be more of a drama about the human psyche, like a, like a Coen Brothers film, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, this looks like something I would keep flowers in. Like it just looks put flowers. We, we Which maybe that's not a bad idea. Um, okay. If Lewis, I, I didn't ask you this question, but I'm gonna ask you now. If you could redesign these awards, like get, you know, get to that thinking cap on. Get, you know, let's get creative here. If you could redesign it, what would you do?
0: Oh God. I I okay, I am so poor at design that and this is true i'm not allowed to design any of the thumbnails for my articles on raptors republic
1: not so allowed
0: Forbade for me. <laughs> i'm so I'm so poor at design and i need to ask for help whenever i make a thumbnail. well
1: now i really want to see it
0: uh no they're just i'm really bad i have like a like a, a an eight-year-old eye for design oh my um, god so if i were to design it uh probably put some dinosaurs in there uh <laughs> no i don't know i i i actually they look pretty <laughs> now that now that i'm asked to change it i'm like oh they're beautiful which i never thought until you asked me to change it i don't know what okay do you Better
1: like them? Sur- if you like them that's fine you can like them
0: how would you change them
1: um i i would like see because the thing is if it's gonna because the thing with vases and flowers is flowers die right but a plant you can keep going so if it's gonna be like that i'd rather it be like yeah see like you've got lots of greenery behind you uh mine's more over there where the window is but um you know just if out you're of gonna, frame. yeah just out of frame where they're all dead don't get it and then it's like if you're gonna do all of that make it a plant but with that being said, I really love the, the red right or back, like literal statue with him on the bench. I think these should just be statues of the guys, like the Oscars. That's what I would want. Yeah. Not now, that to me feels more iconic track. to me. Um the new award for best record in the regular season. Um, how do you feel about that? And do you think it'll give um the NBA regular season greater importance, which I imagine is the goal of this award in the first place.
0: I mean, maybe, um, the tiniest fraction of importance will be given to it. But in general, I think mo- the idea of these awards and, you know, putting names on it, this is the, it's the, um, it's the first, uh, it's the first, um, what, what's it called? The, the guy, Adam Silver, um, it's the first commissioner, right, Maurice Podoloff? That's the new award,
1: right? That's who it's named after. Uh,
0: I think in general, these things uh, are just nice for lore building about the NBA. Add some myth to it. Mm. You know, put red putting Red Auerbach's name on something is valuable, uh, even aside from the thing itself. It's just nice for the NBA to build its sort of uh, mythology, the same as the the top seventy five players putting all these players on on a list right. it matters to the players definitely and, and i'm not sure it'll matter to the team that wins this award the maurice Podoloff award but but it matters to you know a, a seven-year-old or something who's getting into basketball and uh, comes across this and finds the history it gives more roots to fandom uh, putting mm-hmm. the name on it and having the 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 award so even if the team doesn't care even if hardcore fans don't care media doesn't care i think there is still value to it
1: that's very nice and sentimental of you (laughs) i appreciate it to me this felt a little bit like a like a best attendance award in high school where like you know whoever gets it like for sure is not showing off that they got it
0: sorry did you go to a high school that that gave a student an award for
1: for best attendance, attendance yeah is that was I, that I, unique I, to me i just thought that was every high school wow well the thing is i went to a bad high school so okay. it's like <laughs> probably like one person had the best attendance was there, or, per, or perfect attendance i'm calling it, it best yeah was it I'm, perfect I think it was perfect attendance. Now that I'm okay. ta- that now that I'm saying it out loud, but in my mind it was best attendance because I'm like no one at that school had perfect attendance. Yeah, I'm. Did anyone in any high school have perfect attendance? I don't know, but there was this one girl I I <laughs> went to school with who got that award every year, and we were friends, so I low key knew she had it. But she hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't brag about that.
0: So the Phoenix Suns last year. The Milwaukee Bucks in 2018-19. Teams that, yeah. you know, don't do well in the playoffs and win this, you think they're going to hide it?
1: Well, I mean, they because it's a formal thing, they'll probably do something like maybe at the tip-off of like the first playoff game.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? Because obviously that's going to be a home game. Yeah. Well, so, they won't have
0: lost yet, so it won't be sad yet.
1: Yeah, so it won't be sad. But, you know, those teams, like, historically, they celebrate a little early. Right. Yeah. Like I was very critical of the Phoenix Suns when they got to the finals that year. I think that was twenty twenty one. Right. And yeah. and they won their Western Conference uh, trophy and they were like parading around. Yeah. With that trophy. That and was I was early. like you I was like you lost right there. The second yeah, I that saw that, I was like, they're not going to win.
0: What was her name? Your friend who just a first name. We don't. Uh, her
1: time. name was Hampshire. Shout out to Hampshire.
0: Hamsha. Phoenix, Phoenix and Hampshire, same.
1: <laughs> same thing, same energy, same energy. Yeah. Um, I I haven't kept in touch with Hampshire, but she was very smart. I'm sure she went on to do uh, amazing things like become a doctor or something. Um, so, yeah, there we go. It, to me, yeah, it, it has perfect attendance energy to it. But I agree with your sentimental take that it ta- that it adds more. Uh, A lore to the to the history of the NBA, so so that's nice. That's fun all around. And and no, I don't think it'll actually add any more value to the to the regular season. But you know, shout out for trying.
0: Shout out for trying. <laughs>
1: okay we're gonna move on to some raptors talk now um you know fred van vliet's been in the news a lot this week um mainly for shooting slumps but also there was this crazy thing with his instagram where he like unfollowed his teammates and everyone on twitter was freaking out and then uh he was asked about it i believe it was after uh last night's game against the Lakers. i was there you were there in person see this is i want to ask you so okay first of all who asked Who asked the question? So
0: it was Michael Grange. Okay. Who is a serious reporter. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, (laughs) he did it well. He did it in a way where he threw himself under the bus during the asking.
1: Oh. Tell more. So he
0: came to Fred, you know, on his knees type thing. His hands held hot. He said, look, I'm sorry. I have to ask. And Fred immediately got the joke and he was in on it. It, it. At that point, it was a joke. It wasn't like.
1: What yeah yeah
0: he was like not you Mike come on Mike I can actually quote here if, if uh I'm just going to talk
1: please quote
0: aimlessly for 10 to 20 seconds maybe even bordering on 45 seconds here I, I'm going to get the exact quote but um <laughs> uh and like Fred wasn't upset about it because he could have been right
1: yeah but he probably knew it was um, coming
0: yeah he knew he knew exactly what was coming he had he had like a a esque um, response okay so uh, michael grange asked he said you're breaking my heart mike you're breaking my heart mike i just want you to know that look at me because then michael grange wasn't looking at him so he said look at me
1: <laughs> like you're he was too ashamed he was too ashamed to look at him he was too ashamed <laughs> to look at
0: me. <laughs> he said look at me it was, it was like the Godfather. So, you know, he did it well in a way that Fred wasn't upset by the question, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was really good journalistic um, technique. And so Fred said basically, which I'm sure everyone's seen the quote now. He said, look, uh, I was in a slump, so I unfollowed everyone. Um, I figured I'd give it a try. And this is something that the Raptors have done before um, Pascal unplugged from social media in the past. As a side note, yeah, he must said he really was fighting. Hard. He said he
1: was fighting the algorithms.
0: Yes. that Yeah. Fred said he's fighting the algorithm. It must be really hard because when you're a, a, a you know professional athlete and um, people say horrible things to you after every game, even if you play well, mm-hmm. if you're in a slump. They say awful, awful. Anyway, I'm getting a big tangent, sentimental tangent. But so he unfollowed everyone. Um, he said, look, I was just trying to dodge the algorithm. I got caught. and Everyone freaked out. He's like, I, you know, cause, cause uh, I think he unfollowed his wife as well. And he said, I unfollowed my mom too, but uh-huh. you don't, no, one's talking about that. And, and it's like, his point is he's just in a slump trying to get out of it and uh, everyone made a huge deal about it. Uh, so uh, social media should not be our, the prism through which we understand anyone's psyche, but especially such public figures.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. And also don't be afraid of the tangent on this pod. Okay. That's what, that's what this podcast is for. Um, Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was funny. Like people really, really went wild about it. And uh, you know, I don't know if it was the panic fans or trolls of the panic fans to get them to panic, but I felt like it, it got to a lot of people and, uh, you know, I was happy, was happy Mike uh, Michael Grange asked the question, um, yeah. you know, to clarify it. If it wasn't him, here's, here's a question for you, Lewis. If, if Michael Grange didn't do it, were you going to do it? No. You were not going <laughs> to do it? I didn't even
0: know. I wasn't really on Twitter yesterday so much. And I hadn't heard uh, any of this, uh, um, what's the word, uh, hoopla. <laughs> uh, until I got to the arena before the game and other reporters were talking about it. I was like, oh, what happened? I just, I didn't know. And so I wasn't really aware of the extent people
1: came you, you were not prepared.
0: Uh, I didn't even know of the unfollowing thing.
1: Right, uh, right, right.
0: And right, so, right. no, I wasn't going to ask, but I also wouldn't have asked. I would ask someone uh, in person, you know, I'd, ta- I'd take Fred to the side after, be like, hey man, how are you doing? you okay. I wouldn't do that with the cameras on him, mm-hmm. which is now that I say that out loud, really stupid of me. Because the point of me being there is to get answers for the camera. It's not to be a good person. Mm -hmm. He has people in his life to be good people. I'm not there to do that. So I realize now my mistake. But uh, yeah, I Uh, I didn't even know.
1: I I don't know if I would call that a full on mistake. I mean, you know, your relationship with everyone is very valuable and important. And I think that's what you're thinking about. Yeah. In that scenario, to.
0: You don't want to put someone on the spot on television.
1: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. or do Probably you hard because it's I don't. ratings no I should though no that's like my job <laughs> <laughs> no i don't think it, like i i totally understand where you're coming from but i think it's the kind of thing where it's like it's to fred's benefit to clarify it you know and and like you said yeah. i think you know michael grange you know was smart in the way he approached yeah. it and, and i'm sure like you know i don't know who fred has helping him behind the scenes but i again i'm sure he was prepared yeah um he seems like a reasonable guy you know like i think literally if it were like a trey young type who had a bit of a weird (laughs) back and forth with with the media when he was asked about why he missed the game that was awkward to watch yeah you know so i think if it was a different personality it could have gone a different way but i think you know as, as he is called steady freddy um is is probably you know not someone who's gonna overreact or or be rude about it. I don't think
0: And rappers media is very soft. Um, they they don't try to play gotcha at all.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you know there's a couple <laughs> there's a couple guys who will try to do that, but they're not name, around
1: names no,
0: I'm <laughs> uh, no, no, I'll name a name what's what's this guy? The, the guy everyone hates for the sun um oh he asked messiah jury like a uh, what about black crime question
1: oh i remember that that was uh, crazy. i was
0: there at that press conference it was just like oh my oh god my it was gosh. humiliating just to be a journalist at this, in the same room um yeah jesus uh i can't believe i'm blanking on this that's okay
1: now. we don't we, yeah people can google that if they if they want <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah so, so in general though they're not there every game Uh, And so the guys who are at the game, the beat reporters are generally not trying to play gotcha. They're pretty um, respectful as as far as compared to the other 29 teams goes. And and so Uh I I think players know that. I think Fred knows people aren't out to get them from the media in Toronto.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think so. And, And I think like, well, do you think teams have other beat writers that are a bit more that way? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like the Knicks (laughs) Uh Uh,
0: or, you know, the the Lakers. There's just there's so many more uh, reporters for these teams. Uh, And and there's also reporters who um, get into these sort of um, clashes with players, not because they're being bad journalists, because they're being good journalists. Like Nick Uh Fidel, I think, had that back and forth with, with Kyrie. Um, where uh-huh. I was very thankful that, that he was actually sticking up on a moral point uh-huh. uh, and that Kyrie wasn't having his um, uh, ignorance, let's go with challenge, that he wasn't just able to spew it on challenge.
1: Uh-huh. Um,
0: and so I think Toronto actually c- can lean too far to, to, um, to sort of not pushing maybe when things should be pushed. But, but in general, it does have lots of positive side effects, such as last night.
1: Yeah, I, my impression of a lot of the beat writers uh, for the Raptors is that Steve everyone- Simmons. <laughs> Steve Simmons. Well, shout out to anyone who already uh, googled it before uh, we. Got I'm sure there.
0: everyone knew who we were talking about. <laughs> yes, <Steve Simmons.
1: laughs> they're probably yelling the name at us <laughs> yeah. as they're listening. Well, at least we got to it. Steve Simmons. Okay, so he's a loser. And then- <laughs> no, but my impression of the of the Raptors beat writers is that everyone truly seems like a genuine fan yeah would you say that that's true
0: yeah i think it's fairly young um Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know um obviously doug's been there from day one which earns him a lot of cachet with players players really respect doug Mm -hmm. um but but outside of doug you know josh lewenberg is uh is you know one of the major beat guys he gets great access michael grange um Eric Kareen for the Athletic. These guys are in their, you know, their their thirties. Grange, I think, is in his early forties. But but as far as like really established media, they're fairly young, I think, which means they grew up with Vince Carter. Like, they, uh-huh. you know, there's a reason why they're in basketball in Canada. Uh, you know, you can be a journalist for something and not be a fan, but to be a basketball journalist in Canada, because ten years ago when you went to journalism school or fifteen years or whatever, basketball didn't matter no one played it no one yeah. cared about it and uh-huh. so um yeah by and large the beat in Canada is there for a specific reason probably because they care about basketball care about the Raptors
1: yeah it's so interesting I find a lot of American um reporters you know maybe like a Bill Simmons type aside. it's like they love the NBA but they're not necessarily like homers
0: you don't think Bill Simmons is the homer
1: no I said him aside like oh, him as an Sorry, exception like that. him and like yeah, yeah. Stephen a like like there's a few exceptions but i think like a lot of people they're yeah. not they're not necessarily homers they but can almost like be all the raptors critical. people are homers
0: yeah a lot of journalists for other teams are almost more critical than they need to be
1: mm.
0: whereas raptors journalists yeah are probably more homers than they need to be it's you're right it's um it's a different maybe it's a canadian angle we're
1: unless. nice we're soft we're canadian <laughs> it's what it is Um, yeah, no, I love that. I love hearing that. I love hearing behind the scenes, little, little tidbits like that. Um, but let's talk about Fred and and his shooting slip. A lot has been made about this and, uh, there's been a lot of takes across the board. Um, one thing I read in the athletic this morning that I thought was nice was just that just pointing out the fact that Fred always kind of holds himself accountable and uh you know he's he's never really like kind of delusional about himself like he knows he's in a slump more than anybody essentially and and that was uh what i felt was a nice and, and refreshing take um you also wrote about it for for raptors republic so i just wanted to give you a chance to kind of elaborate more on your approach i mean you talked about um how the slump has really kind of existed maybe even since last season just in terms of its shooting yeah. percentage and how it's kind of spilt into this season
0: the only thing I worry about, because slumps, good shooters break out of slumps. And Fred is not just good. He is one of the league's best shooters, historically. Uh-huh. So I'm not worried about a slump. What I am worried about is um, an extremely long list of career injuries. Uh-huh. And his slump has coincided with a series of injuries. Knee injury, um, February 14th of 2022. That's when it began, right? When it when it begins with injury, it's it's frightening. And the other thing about a slump, Fred is a basketball genius. Most look, most NBA players are are geniuses at their sport, right? That's why they're there. Um, most professional basketball players, I should say. And, and no matter how, there's so many ways you can contribute with your brain, right? You can cut. You can you can, you can make quick passes. You can rotate. You 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 can think the game in so many ways to win. Kyle Lowry is the best example. Uh but you cannot think your way out of a slump no matter how smart you are you cannot intelligence the ball into the net from the three-point line and it's it's something that all you know brilliant players go through at some point is like well I, I can't like I'm so smart I just can't think this my way out of this hole and your only way out of the hole is to just keep shooting until you're not in the slump anymore uh, and for Fred, it's been a really long time. I thought last night against the Lakers was, uh, a good example of him seeming to, to change his approach a little bit, get downhill, um, get some free throws. He was really effective around the room too. Um, but he took like eight threes, um, which is, you know, he needs to, this Raptors team doesn't have a lot of shooters. He needs to take a ton of threes. Uh, and even though he played a great game, he scored 25 points, I think in just three quarters, he only hit two of those eight threes, right? The, uh-huh. the three point shooting slump continues and, uh, whether it is injury based or whether it's just a really long slump, um, we'll find out, but it's, uh, the Raptors are not going to be the team they envision without Fred being one of the best shooters in the league.
1: Yeah. I mean, I believe Fred said, and I, I did read this and I wish I had the article right in front of me that at a certain point, like when it comes to a slump, it's just mental and yeah. he has to, and he has to get out of it. And uh, so to me, it's like, it's weird. Cause that doesn't necessarily imply that it's physical, but you're obviously right about the timeline in terms of all of this. So I guess like my question for you, and I don't know if you actually have an answer to this or not, but I mean, obviously like a lot of people are calling on Nick nurse to play in fewer minutes. That's been happening for like a year, frankly. And then, you know, but I also kind of understand more than a year. And then I understand it on the flip side too, where it's like, you know, it is his job to win games and there's that part of it too. So it's like, you know, I guess what I'm wondering is how you know, and this actually in a weird way, kind of relates to the Trey Young conversation. How do the coaches, the players, and the medical staff like really communicate through that? You know what I mean? Because I don't think anyone's telling anyone within the Raptors organization is like, Nick, you gotta play Fred less. And i I want to believe that if that was happening, he would. But I don't think that's happening. I think it's coming from from fans and from other media. Um, so yeah, and I don't think the fans and, you know, media are necessarily wrong either. So I'm just wondering, like, how, how do you think would be best for those three sides to communicate that?
0: My instinct on this is that the, the information gap between people within the organization, which are the three sides, coach, player, medical staff, Mm -hmm. and outside voices like ourselves The information gap is so massive that uh, we just have no way of knowing. Like, it's almost impossible to comment. Nick says um, that when guys, that he says all the time, medical staff will tell him this is an injury that's just pain tolerance, pain management. It's not something that will be aggravated by continued play. Um, And that's what he says. What are we supposed to do with that? Uh You know, Occam's Razor, there's not a conspiracy here. Nick's not on the hot seat. He's not on the verge of being fired. He doesn't need to win a game this week to save his job next week. As in, he doesn't need to play Fred if there's a risk of aggravating an injury. And so when he says there's not a risk, Occam's Razor, there's not a risk. And we just have no way of knowing. I've seen studies about about increased playing time leading to an increased rate of injury
1: uh-huh.
0: um, I've also seen studies saying that there uh, there is a slight correlation but no strong correlation or no, no strong causation established um it's just I, I I haven't and look I know about basketball I know about writing i I haven't learned about the medical stuff Uh, And so I am probably on the very uh, conservative side of not criticizing the franchise because they know better than we do, but they really know better than we do. Like the information gap for what's going on on the court is way closer. Like I know the names of some of the plays. I know if a player misses a cut, I know if a player misses a box out. I don't know anything about the medical stuff. I just I'm not equipped to criticize or to praise.
1: Right. Do you do you wish that that was different?
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's something that um, you know we have um, uh, injury reports. It would be nice to know that that's um, consistently accurate. Let's say Uh, you know because a guy can can say you know knee, and then he also has a hurt shoulder and a hurt ankle, and you don't know what's wrong with the knee. It's like a lot of this stuff is, is really ad hoc. And I know from just the Raptors media room, we all, a lot of the stuff we know about players, you only know because someone asks offhand and maybe someone doesn't even ask, like, you know, we got an, a, a Wancho report the other day where um, Nick said, uh, I don't know. And then he left and then PR came in after it said day to day. And that that's all. And you know, no one dives in. It's just the, 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 um, the uh, the amount that's reported, the accuracy, the understanding could be way, way better. But fr- frankly, it's not televised, right? And the basketball is. And so it's a lot harder for us to demand accuracy without knowing what is or isn't accurate.
1: Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. I um OK, I, I this isn't on our, our docket, but I just want to throw something at you and, and feel free to be like yeah. Catherine no, um, <laughs> I, I feel like I've been a bit confused lately over Scotty Barnes and his injury status. No. Um, I feel like there's some games where he gets kind of banged up, and you're like, "Oh, I don't think Scotty's going to play the next day." And then somehow, miraculously, not next day, but next game, and then somehow, miraculously, like he's available. Again, and I have found it to be confusing and sort of coinciding with his, as people say, sophomore slump. And I'm wondering, do you have feelings on that? Do you think Scotty is potentially more injured than maybe they're letting on?
0: Yeah, uh, he just he moves diff- like he keeps hurting his ankle. Mm-hmm. He's hurt his ankles five times now four times now this season um as someone who uh hurts his ankle all the time when i play basketball um i know that you can still play just fine and there's lots of ankle injuries that aren't going to get aggravated um, i think one of the factors that makes it look like he's more injured is his role has changed a lot this season right you know, they were asking him to uh, initiate plays where's Last season they were asking the finish plays and that looks totally different. And so people see that and they're like, Oh, he doesn't have the burst. He doesn't have the, the athleticism. Well, no, he's just doing different stuff. And so it's more, it's aesthetically different no matter what the ankle is, but, you know, having seen someone roll their ankle on camera so many times and only miss, I think two games for a knee injury, nothing to do with his ankle. Um, yeah, that's something that's a little more, there's more information for us to discuss. Um, I, I would like to see him get that ankle right. Uh, I'm not certain it um, it actually is affecting him on the court, but um, just by virtue of him having heard it so many times, like just get the ankle good, you
1: know? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, because just from like an outsider's perspective, it's just hard to connect all those dots. You know, it's just yeah. hard to make sense of it all the time. And then you're just kind of like along for the ride, so to speak. And I, I do think there's something to be said for players having some sort of autonomy, especially when it comes to their health. But I also, but then, I, I, and then I'm also like, I wish there was more transparency. So I Full feel circle. like I right so kind of, I feel like I see both sides in a way, Yeah, you know?
0: Yeah, I think it would be, um, um, if we're talking about pr- private matter, should remain private. Um,
1: which is the theme. of This, this is whole one episode.
0: of yeah. Which is privacy, <laughs> I guess, is the theme. Yeah, this is one of those situations where, um, outside of what we're discussing, people talk about it way too much and with way more confidence than they they should have, mm. given how little information they have. And I don't mean just discussing like we're just. It's okay to be like, oh, is he hurt? Should he be re-? That's not, you know, I think the, the the over-the-top criticism of guys without knowing anything about their injury status can can be um, uh, can be jarring, I think, to see.
1: Right, like speaking about it in absolutes when you yeah. don't have the full information is where it gets to be a bit of an issue, for sure. I totally see that. Um, yeah, Lewis, with that being said, I think it's time for a Nick Nurse Hottie highlight of the week. <laughs> and you know talking about shooting slumps well one guy who doesn't have a shooting slump right now is nick nurse because uh tsn's josh lewenberg captured him hitting one free throw after the other baby and it was fun to watch were you there were you present for this moment uh
0: so i was not i only go to practices when i need a specific thing like if i need to talk to christian coloco or um, because, uh, I have a young son and Bragging. so I've sort of,
1: no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just
0: <laughs> so I, well, uh, <laughs> he's a cutie,
1: um,
0: but I, I generally don't go to, uh, everything unless I need to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was not at that practice, but I mean, the man's. Are you, no, no. The
1: other right. question is, are you filled with regret that you didn't go to that practice?
0: No, I think watching a man hit free throws <laughs> is. I can live without that. <laughs> <laughs> a Obviously. lot of coaches. You remember that video of Stan Van Gundy, uh, like showing a crossover at at an Orlando Magic practice? Like
1: I do not remember that. Ago? Yeah, he That's was showing. He's like, then you hit
0: him with the and he was like showing his crossover. Coaches generally know what they're doing. Even the ones who didn't play in the league, because Nick never played in the NBA, but he played high-level basketball, and he was a shooting specialist, and he's a shooting coach, right? He has his like mm-hmm. Nick Nurse Night School of Shooting or whatever.
1: Yeah, he has and a book and in that basketball, which I t- which I talked if the the about. If a man can't hit
0: free game. throws, sorry, if he has what now?
1: No, he has a, he has a basketball and a book. I didn't mean to interrupt yeah. you. It's called the Pill. No, no.
0: But if he can't hit free throws, there's something seriously wrong with how he uh, uh, markets himself to the world. So thank (laughs) God he
1: can't. Do you feel like the world needed that level of reassurance?
0: (laughs) Are are people doubting? People are doubting. The Celtics game, I saw more calls, more rash calls for Nick Nurse to be on the hot seat than... Raptors yeah. lost to the best team in the NBA.
1: And not but even by a lot.
0: Maybe he watched, maybe he's on Twitter on his burner and he saw all those crazy tweets. He said, you know what? I'm going to hit some free throws on camera tomorrow. This will quiet him down.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he's got a burner or not. That would be the most intriguing thing ever. But uh, but yeah, a lot of people have been calling for him, probably the most ever since you know he was first hired as head as head coach because it's been yeah. you know as Tampa season aside it's been pretty you know smooth sailing in terms of just our uh, appreciation for him although no last year I think everyone being like you got to play Fred yet less and there are comparisons to to Thibodeau there and and stuff like that but last year
0: they were winning a lot
1: yeah we were winning more games um yeah yeah so you know it's it's maybe not you know it's certainly not his highest point as a coach but i mean i'm biased because you know obviously i'm in love with the man but i don't <laughs> i don't think we should be looking to uh to to get rid of him anytime soon right
0: oh yeah that, how, how do
1: you feel about nick nurse overall
0: uh i have some takes i think he is obviously a tactical um revolutionary. He's really changed the way the league plays defense. Um, he is an extraordinary X's and O's coach. Um, you see it, you know, the Raptors don't have a ton of shooting, um, but their baseline out of bounds play is the best. They, they score the most efficiently. Yeah. That's just coaching stuff like that. He's, he is without you know any doubt, one of the best tacticians in the league. I do think there's something to, um, player, um, uh, relationships, um, you know, him and Pascal's, he and Pascal Siakam had a dust up in Tampa Bay.
1: Yes, they did.
0: Um, you know, OG Ananobi this past off season, um, there certainly wasn't nothing to that rumor, even though it was probably blown extraordinarily out of proportion. Um, but as long as Fred is running the locker room, uh, Nick is going to have support. Right, it's he. It it's going to be his locker room. He's not going to lose it with a loss to the Celtics by five points. Right, uh, it would take a whole lot more. And uh, you know, you saw Nate Bjorken try to move the Toronto system to Indiana, and he was run out of town. It's not easy to implement uh, because it can be graded on your on your players. But but it's implemented. The players respect him. There's you know buy-in obviously, and so uh, so the tactical stuff is what matters. Um, you know, if there was a different person running the locker room, if there were more flare-ups, such as with Trey Young and Nate McMillan, then you'd start to think maybe, you know, what's the, the trade-off? But there is no trade-off right now. He's just an extraordinary coach.
1: hmm hmm I mean, Lewis, I, I appreciate your takes. There are certain people that I'm willing to hear criticisms of Nick, Ness, Nick Nurse from. You're one of them. So you know, high praise, high praise. Um, but with that, I mean that's been our that's been our episode very interesting episode today, Lewis. you know I feel like we got into some some deeper stuff here, which I, I really really appreciate. Um, if uh, anyone isn't following you, can you let us know where people can find you on the internet?
0: Yes, uh, I am on the internet. Uh, also <laughs> thank you for this has been uh, never get to talk about this stuff um, you know outside of just You know, at the bar with friends. So, really appreciate this. It's it's a fun combo.
1: Well, this is what I'm. Um, But you can find me
0: on Twitter. It's just my name, um, which you can see in in lovely pink uh, at the bottom.
1: Yeah, I'm unapologetically girly, Uh, Lewis. Thank you again. Uh, Appreciate it. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Bye.